0: Friends, welcome to Sinners Anonymous, where we grow in God and glow for God. I am your host, Jakora, and thank you for listening. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the wild. Not lions, tigers, and bears, but darkness, sins, and snares. What is the wild? How do you get there? What do you do? How do you get out? Do you get out? We're going to answer all those questions over the course of three episodes. So imagine you're on a trip with your uncle and he says, God has called us to go to a new land. Being a believer, you set out with your uncle and you just say, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to trust in God's plan and I'm going to go with you. You know, and you go and when you get to this promised land, you realize This is not what I expected from God. There's famine. We're starving. Our people are starving. And your uncle makes the choice, okay, um, we are going to go to another city because the famine is so great here. And you go on this journey with him. So you guys travel to a new city that's close to the city, you know, God has called for you. And when you get there, you know, there's a series of unfortunate events that befall you in the city. However, you were blessed and now you're leaving this city for your promised land in abundance. You have so much money, so much cattle, um, because we're talking these are biblical days. Okay, so having cattle and um, sheep and things like that was a sign of wealth. So you're leaving this town with way more than you came in with and you go back to your promised land and now you're living with amongst, you know, your family members and, you know, just all your relatives and their families and it starts to go south. You know, every, you know, your people are fighting with your uncle's people, you know, families are feuding and you're just like, There's got to be something else. This can't be it. Well, that's where this story takes place. We have a friend named Lot. Lot was traveling with his uncle to Canaan. So here we are, you know, back at Canaan. They left Egypt. They were so wealthy. They had all kinds of goats, cattle, It's treasures like they were wealthy god was good to them in egypt and so coming back to canaan they're wealthy they're you know inhabiting the land but things start to go awry uh the family is fighting amongst each other um lots of people are fighting with abraham's people and it the bible tells us that the land just couldn't handle them anymore you know so there's probably they had exhausted their resources and it was probably time uh to move you know build different settlements so abraham tells lot listen our people are fighting what are we gonna do you know we have all this land we don't need to fight whatever you take i'll take the opposite so lot's looking around and he's like okay well where am i gonna live you know And so he sees, you know, just this beautiful metropolis, this city, and it's lush and green. It has flowing waters. Beautiful. The Bible likens it to Eden. So here's this garden of Eden in this plain, you know, land that God had gave us. And he decides, I'm going to live on the outskirts of this city. Abraham says, okay, you know, we're going to go live up in the hill. I'm going to go build my uh, altar to God. You go do your thing. So Lot gets in his tent and he pitches his tent towards Sodom. Why? Probably so when he got up in the morning, he could be like, ah, look at that city. And if the question is, why didn't he just move there? Like why? I think a part of him knew that this was the land that God had called him to be in. And I think he wanted to do the right thing and inhabit that land. But also be close enough to the city that if he wanted to, you know, sneak off and have some fun, he could do that too. But that's just a thought, maybe. Um, That's not biblical. Uh, We don't know why he didn't just move there. Um, But the Bible does say that eventually he does. And he is living there. He's having a good time until four kings decide... That they're going to invade now to set up the scene here we have these five cities who make up you know this little land so there's five cities and one of those cities well two of those cities is Sodom and Gomorrah you know there's some sister cities but there's these five little towns all right by each other Um, And each of those towns had a king. So there's five kings that inhabit this land. And four kings come in and decide they're going to invade. Now, I know what you're thinking. Four kings against five? No-brainer. Well, that's the thing about sin. When you're actively engaged in sin, you're not really paying attention to incoming attacks. Okay? So we know... From the scriptures that Sodom and Gomorrah were sinful cities so here they are they're popping it having a good old time sinning and four kings come invade and take over and they overthrow so I mean people are scattered right everybody's running all over the place they're trying to escape well some of the people that do escape escape up into the mountains where Abraham is at Um, Lot, however, and his, um, wife and family and the people that came with him, they all get captured. So our, our boy Lot, he's gone. (laughs) He's at the mercy of the four Kings. So back up in the mountains, the little birdie that escaped, you know, tells Abraham, Hey, Abraham, your nephew, he got captured by the Kings and Abraham's like, What? You know, he calls on God. God, help me come save my nephew. So Lot rounds up his army. And he rides out to go get his nephew. And he comes, gets his nephew, brings his nephew home. Not just his nephew, but his wife. You know, his people. He brings his people home. We're talking one man in his army. Against four kings getting his nephew back. He defeats those four kings with the power of God. And Lot's home now, you know. And I'm sure he was grateful. But if you've ever lived with an older relative, especially um, a Christian older relative, and maybe you're not living... Mm -hmm you know, the most overcoming life, I'm sure it was a bit of a test for lot, you know, coming back home, you know, Abraham probably gave him a lecture, you know, about putting God first. And I think after a while, he probably was just like, I miss, you know, Sodom and I want to go back. So the Bible tells us he eventually he leaves and goes back to Sodom. Why? Why would you go back? And he just barely escaped. Well, the pool of sin is strong. You know, uh, the Bible doesn't say what he got into while he was there, but it does tell us what he got into when he left and he was drinking. So I'm assuming probably who knows when he picked up, uh, you know, drinking, you know, it could have been in Egypt but we know that uh, Sodom was a sinful place, and he probably picked it up there. Um, so here, here we are. We're in. We're back in Sodom, and we're having a good time. And eventually, we see some people coming up to the gate. Hey, you know, I know these people, and you know, you know he pops up like hey uh you know what's going on? Now what we don't know at this point, well what Lot doesn't know at this point is that God had already called for the destruction of, of Sodom and Gomorrah. He was going to rain down on that city. And because Abraham um knew that Lot was in Sodom, you know, he pled with God, you know, to save his nephew and to save the city, but there was just not enough people, not enough righteous people in that city for God to spare the city, not even 10. <clears throat> um, and God was more than gracious. You know, he let Abraham haggle from 50 to 10 and God was willing to spare it. If 10 could be found and 10 could not be found in the city righteous. So what happens Those two visitors, you know, were angels. I think Lot knew of the spirit and he knew well enough who these people were. And it was Jewish custom to um, be hospitable. You know, when you have visitors come in, you wash their feet, uh, you take care of them. And the people of Sodom did not have that custom. Now, also, Lot knows what is going down in Sodom. So he's running up to these people like, hey, basically, don't, you don't want to be on the streets at night. Come to my house. I'll take care of you. Um, but you don't want to be out here. <laughs> so come on, just come to my house. And they're like, no, nah, we're really just here to deliver a message. And he's like, no, 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 please come, please come. So because he was so adamant, uh, these visitors decided, okay, we'll come and join you. They come and join Lot in his house and, you know, Lot's washing their feet, being real hospitable Um, because those traits are still in him. You know, he still uh, loves God. He's just in the wild right now. He's, you know, living his life, I guess, (laughs) for lack of a better word. He's just hanging out. He's having fun. He sees these people and I'm sure it's a reminder, okay, I shouldn't even probably be here. Um, but you know, he, while he's there entertaining his guests, there's a knock on the door and you know, it's this group outside and they're like, Hey, you know, we see you with these men in there. Open the door, let us in. And Lot's like, nah, you can't come in here. You cannot come in here. I don't know what to tell you guys, but this ain't it for you. And, but he continues, you know, they continue they're and at this point they're in gre- increasingly growing angry because they want to see what these visitors are about. They want to know them. That's what the scripture says. They want to know these men. Uh so we know that there was some, you know, extracurriculars going on and Lot was just like he he knows that these guests are um, important guests, special guests. And a part of me wants to say sometimes when we're in a situation where we have God with us we don't even pay attention to the fact that we have God with us we still use our human abilities to try to um, do stuff He here he is with angels you don't need to protect them you should be worried about protecting yourself so you know a lot you know is, you know, opens the door a little bit and is telling these men like, Hey, look, just go away. You know, I'll give you something in exchange for these men. You don't have to, they don't want nothing in exchange. They want these men. And at this point, you know, visitors are growing increasingly irritated and they decide to pull Lot back, close the door. Listen, Lot, we just came here to give you a message. They blind. The, the men outside the door, like, look, I don't have time for this right now. Okay. They blind the men, close the door a lot. God's about to destroy the city. It's time for you to go. And Lot's like, what? What do you, wait, what do you mean? Um, uh-uh, there's no, what, what do you mean? It's time to go. And while he's sitting there and he's contemplating, he's telling, you know, his, his family, look, we got to go. God's about to destroy the city. Um, he tells his son-in-laws, they don't believe him, and you know he's here. He is running around the house, trying to get people to believe him, and all the while the visitors are saying, "It's time to go. The city's about to be destroyed, and the only reason it hasn't been yet is because we're waiting for you to leave." Okay, let's go, let's go. Lot. Now at this point, it's a toddler. He's a toddler. Okay, have you ever tried to round up a toddler? That's what we're doing with Lot. Okay, Lot. Oh, I need my shoes. Okay. Grab your shoes. Oh, I need my, okay. Now you're thinking, what is taking him so long? Attachments. We have all these attachments in our lives and it makes us hard to leave. You know, he's formed, you know, bonds here. He has, I'm sure he has friends, you know, his home is here, you know, his kids have families or or they were betrothed, you know, there's just a lot here and you want to be able to take everything and sometimes when god calls you you just can't take everything and you can't even take everyone you know and lot had to learn that the hard way so here he is and god tells him get your family out of here go don't look back you know basically head back to canaan where you're supposed to be but lot decides i don't want to go back to canaan i i I don't want to go back there i let me go to this little city over here One of the little, um, cities that weren't going to get destroyed and he decides to spend his time there and God is like, don't look back. And that's where we get the famous, you know, story where his wife turning into a pillar of assault because she looked back. Um, but pretty much God destroyed this utopia, you know, everything about that land changed after that. It was no longer this, um, lush utopia that it once was now. Now that we know the story, we know the backstory, and we know where we are, we're going to talk about why Lot was in the wild. For this particular scenario, the wild represents anything that's keeping you from doing the will of God. When you're actively engaged in uh, rebellion, you're going to find yourself in the wild. And we're going to say, well, how was a lot rebellious you know he came with his uncle you know his uncle asked him where he wanted to live sometimes in our own lives we will take active steps to sin and like you find yourself and you're in the midst of a storm you know or you feel like God has left you somehow you're lonely you know This is one of those moments where you look and you say, did I make active steps to get here? So what were Lot's steps? Let's backtrack. Let's look at the story. What steps did Lot take to find himself in Sodom? Well, we know the first one, for starters, is that he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Now, on one end. You have someone who's pitching their tent towards sin. Okay, because that was what Sodom was about. And his uncle, Abraham, is doing what? Building an altar to God. When you find yourself in a situation where um, maybe God has called you into ministry or you're in a new business venture or you're starting something new that you believe God has called you to, And you're at this moment and you can either choose to consult God or you can choose to be led by the flesh. What are you going to do? Lot decided to be led by the flesh and the flesh wanted this lush green utopia that I just probably just came from something similar. You know, and that's what his flesh wanted. So that's, the, and that, that's where we look at for starters. What is our flesh wanting? What does your flesh want? Because that's ultimately what the devil's going to use against you. What your flesh wants. The wild is created, you know, because it's part of the world. The wild is going to take every intricacy, every detail about who you are, and it's going to manipulate it for its gain. It's really, we spend so much time edifying our flesh. And when I say edifying our flesh, I mean, we spend so much time doing things for our body, that our body and our flesh is the stronger vessel. Just imagine when you wake up, what is the first thing you do? You grab your phone and you're looking at your phone, you know, so you're seeing you're letting Facebook, Snapchat, all these different social media sites. You're letting them dictate how your day is going to go. Right. We're not getting up and consulting God. We're not getting up going to our Bible. So our spirit's not getting edified because the spirit only wants to deal with the things of the spirit, which is prayer, fasting, reading, journaling, you know, reading a devotional, uh, worship. These things edify your spirit, edify God. You know, our phones, they don't do that. Now, yeah, you could read your Bible on your phone, but and there's nothing wrong with that. But nine times out of 10, you're going straight. To a social media site or your text messages or your emails, whatever it is, that is your first thought, and that's because and that's a flesh-led thought. And that's how Lot found himself living in Sodom because his first thought was his flesh. I want to be somewhere where it's easy to get food, I want to be somewhere where it's easy to get water, I want to be somewhere where um the land is beautiful, where they're having fun. I don't have to be judged you know, whatever his reasonings for, it was very much a flesh led decision because he never consulted God. And if we look, we know that he obviously had a foundation, you know, of following God. <clears throat> the relationship might not have been there. You know, you could know God and not have a relationship with him. Um, And if we look at the scriptures, it was abraham's prayer that saved lot now the first time abraham physically went in and you know saved his nephew now that's god sending provision for you because of someone else sometimes when you're in the wild the only way to get out is by the prayers of those who have a relationship with god so we know lot escaped you know sodom because of the power of God through his uncle, you know, brings him back. He takes off again and he's a grown man, you know, with a family of his own. So are we going to be running after him? No. You know, the second time, you know, God intervenes, he sends some visitors. He sends them a warning like this is what's going to happen. And Lot decides to procrastinate again. It was the prayers of his uncle and you know, him pleading on Lot's behalf to not be destroyed. And because of Abraham, you know, pleading with God, God saved Lot again. Um, And what does this tell us? This tells us that sometimes when we're in the midst of sin, it might be too much for us to get out on our own, you know, whatever kind of ties that we and attachments we make with our families. Um, it's, it's really, it's the same thing when you're in a toxic relationship, you're thinking, why don't you get out because of these attachments, these soul ties that we have to things and to other people that we don't have to God. Well, God, God can't even work through us to help us because we've hardened our hearts to that. And You think, oh, she keeps going back to that toxic relationship or he keeps going back to that toxic job, you know, or whatever the case is. But it's the pool of sin. When you edify your flesh on a daily basis, your flesh rules. So if your flesh says, I want this partner so bad that I'm willing to put myself in jeopardy, which is what law did. He loved Sodom so much that he was willing to put himself and his family in jeopardy. Just so that he could stay there. And we can't even look at him like it's just him like, oh, that's crazy. You know, why would why would he do that? Why did we do it? Why do we do it on a consistent basis? It's attachment. And that's the whole point is that God is saying relationships are so crucial. Whether it's your church family, whether it's your praying grandmother, whether it's you, you. Whatever the case is, your relationship with God is how you weather these storms. Okay, so here we are. Step one there was strife. So there's fighting amongst the family members. We don't know what the fighting was about, but you know, it was definitely time for a separation. Now, we know that sin will cause us to separate, you know, from God. So. That was step one, is that there was a separation between Abraham and, and Lot. Step two, Lot decides to look at something other than what God has called for him. And he beheld Sodom. That was his second mistake, looking for something outside of what God gave him. Step three, he decides he wants to live there. OK, he decides, hey, I love this place. I'm going to live there. Step four. He's going to pitch his tent. Now you're saying, oh, I thought he already decided to live there. No, that was mental. OK, he didn't physically live in Sodom, but mentally he wanted to be there. And that's where sin starts. It's just an idea until it's acted out. Once it's an, once it's acted out, you're an active sin. Step five, he actually physically moves there. Now you're saying, okay, I see what's going on. Thoughts become actions, right? Now the sixth, he was outside the gate. Now from doing study and looking it up, this place where he was, was a hangout spot. You know, this is where they entertain people who came into the city. Um, So him sitting outside of the gate, he was just hanging out which led to what drunkenness. So he was out there popping it, being drunk. He was drinking and we can't look at lot and say, oh, you know, he was sinning. I mean, we all sin. We all fall short. It's what we do in those moments that makes the difference. What are you going to do when you have took active steps to place yourself into the wild? And I'll give you an example. In my family, we go camping every summer. Like, I don't mean like, oh, it's summer, we're taking a camping trip. I mean, it's summer, we gotta go take another camping trip. You know, at the height of it, I think we went camping almost every weekend. But at the the very minimum, during, you know, peak uh, camping season, we will go camping um about two to three times a month we will go camping and you know when you get out there you know we're all excited to go you know what do we do we prepare we prepare we have all of our stuff and you know me and my partner we like to be as clean as possible while we're out in the wild um so we have our bleach for our bleach water. We have our rags and our toothbrushes. Um, you know, some campsites have showers, some don't. So we have hot water, you know, we could boil our water. Like we try to stay as clean as possible when we're out there, especially, you know, I'm, you know, he's more of a avid camper than I am. I would not be camping if we were not together. Um, but you know, and you know, then we we have kids, and they go, and they really immerse themselves in the evi- environment. Um, and so while we're out there, we're having fun, you know. We wipe off whatever is on us. We're having fun. We're in the wild. We're experiencing nature, Um, and it never fails. Every time we come home, you know, and I give the kids bath. I mean, there's just stuff falling out their hair, you know. There's dirt all in the water. I mean. Who knew you got so dirty because you don't look that dirty. Yeah, your clothes are dirty because you're outside, but your skin is just, you know, there's leaves and twigs in my son's hair and um, everybody is just smelling like campfire. It's just, it's a, it was a fun trip, you know, no. but, you know, coming into a different, cleaner environment, you realize, okay, maybe you stink a little bit. Um, you smell like campfire. You smell like wood. You know, everybody is definitely discolored. And, you know, it's the same thing with being in the proverbial wild. Lot thought he could go and hang out in the wild and not take anything out of the wild with him. And it's the same for us. You know, the longer you spend in sin, the more you're going To come out with twigs and branches in your hair and dirt on your skin. And when you come into the presence of God, he is calling us to cleanse ourselves. So there's still this period of separation. And which is why Lot decided he wasn't going to go back to Abraham. I mean, I'm sure he just didn't feel clean enough to be around his uncle, you know. And sometimes we do the same thing when we're in sin. We feel I'm not worthy to come to you. Look at me. You know. And God is just saying, it doesn't matter to me. I am the living water. He can rinse you clean. You don't need to worry about whether or not you are perfect when you come to God. If you're in the midst of sin, you can still call out to him. He still can hear you. And he's going to help you. Because it wasn't him that left you. You took active steps to leave him. So you think about it. You find yourself and you're in this storm. You're in the wild. What steps did you take to get there? You know, what steps did I actively take in order to separate myself from God? Because if you look at it, you will see, oh, I made steps. I thought about it in my mind. I focused on it. I separated myself from people who would have wise and godly counsel and now here I am in it and I'm just deciding to dwell in it you just want to be in it and that's why people don't come out of situations because they don't want to come out of situations they're not ready to leave those attachments alone and sometimes that ends up being a detriment to them you know so many people you know lose their lives while they're still in sin And God is calling us. You don't have to, you don't have to stay in sin. You don't have to stay in these situations that are not of you. God has so much for you. There's so much He wants to give you, so much He wants to do with you and through you. There are there is something in the world that only you can do and that God knows. And you can be helping so many other people just by following the call that God has for you. You can be helping yourself. Think about the people that Lot brought with him. Think about the um, lives that they lived because of the life that he lived. Think of his kids. Sometimes we're in these storms and our kids get neglected. Our kids get abused because of our sins. Had he had been obedient to God, he would have never you know, put his family in a position to get captured by Kings. And who knows what happened to them when they got captured before, you know, Abraham, we know it was a fast amount of time, but they're not driving. So, you know, whoever's escaping has to walk. I mean, and we don't know how far, so it's been, it was some time. So it's easy to assume, you know, not good things happen to them being prisoners not good things happen to us and you know, this modern world, when we put ourselves in sin and I'm just strictly talking, we put ourselves in these situations. There are situations we don't put ourselves in, but we're talking about situations where you put yourself in. Think of the people you bring along because we know from when Lot leaves Sodom for this new little town, it was not without damage to him and his family there was damage to his family because of you know his sins and that's what we don't think about because sin is selfishness it says hey take care of yourself experience this love this and you're just feeding into your own ego and that's why it gets to be too hard to go to god because we have ego that flesh that ego that says we deserve this more than we deserve something else, that's what keeps us in sin. You're hardening your heart to God and His Word, and you can't come up out of there. If you think about um, a band aid, <clears throat> I will leave you with this. You think about a band aid, and you know, you get hurt, and you put that band aid on. Okay, that band aid has stopped that bleeding, and now you're like, oh, maybe you forgot it was on. You know, now you realize it and you're like, oh, I'm sure it's healed by now, but you decide I'm going to peel it off slowly. I'm going to just take slow and it hurts. So someone says, okay, just rip it off. You just got to rip the bandaid off. So you just rip it off. Now that spot, it feels a little exposed. You can feel it. You know that there was something there. And over time you're gonna forget that there was anything there well that's kind of like how it is you know in our relationships um, with God you know when we are in sin sin being that band-aid you know the longer it's there the harder it is to take off you take it off slowly so if I decide I'm gonna move slowly you know trying to get out of this or um, I'm gonna move slowly you know trying to get back to God and it's going to hurt a little bit. You know, it's going to hurt a little bit. You just rip it off and then you feel exposed. And it's in that rawness, that newness. Because some healing has taken place under there. So there's some there's some rawness and there's some newness under there that is exposed. And that's where we meet God. When we expose our sin, that's how God can come in you know and just like there's no reasoning with sin here's a lot he's at the door and he's talking to these people out there and he's trying to convince them no you can't come in here you can't reason with your sin okay there's no hey just take this instead there, there's no reasoning, and that's what the angels were showing us you know in those stories those visitors were saying look that's not what we're here for You can't reason with sin. We're not here for sin. You can't rectify this relationship and make it work if God has called you out of it. That's that's not it. Sin isn't. Sin is what it is. It's rebellion, you know? So, in summation, when we find ourselves um, in a storm, we have to ask ourselves Did I take. Active steps to put myself here. That should be your first question, you know, and then you're asking God, okay, God, how do I get out? How do I get out of this situation? Well, in Lot's case, God had to remove him from sin on multiple occasions. Sometimes God really will step in and say, let's go. And now if you're willing you will be saved if you're unwilling you'll just stay there and you'll be destroyed and consumed by the world and we know that scripture tells us not to be conformed by this world but to be transformed by what by the renewing of your mind because it's in the mind that sin starts you think of something and it becomes action. You speak of it and then it becomes words. Just imagine if you can speak blessing into your life. Speak healing into your life. Those same things you do with the negative. Try it with the positive. And see where that leads us. Well, I have enjoyed being with you today. Um, it's always a pleasure To talk about God. It's always a pleasure to find God in our modern life and in our modern world. So, I want to end this um, by praying. But first, I want to let you know this you can follow me on Instagram. I will put uh, the link to my Instagram you can write in, ask questions. Um, I will put the link with this audio so that you can click on it. Follow me on Instagram. Um, ask your questions. I would love for this to be a dialogue. Any questions you have about, um, the wild and just the story um, that we talked about today, please feel free to send me, uh, questions. Um, You can also send me voice questions on Anchor. Um, If you don't have Anchor, that would be a great time to get it. Get my podcast as soon as they drop. Um, You can send in voice messages and I can add that to my recording. So, with that being said, let us end in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I just come to you today to thank you um, for divine revelation. Thank you for allowing us to spend this time together to apply your word to our lives. Thank you for giving us chance after chance to perfect the word. Thank you for um, the opportunities that you have given us in our lives that we may go forth into ministry thinking about you and thinking about how we can consult you in every choice that we make in our life. Father God, my prayer is that for everyone listening that you will show up in their life, Father God, in a major way so that they will know that it is you and that you are the one true God. Father God, my prayer is that all who are listening and all who will come to listen, Father God, that they will find themselves in a situation and know that you are God and know your love and see you through new eyes and renew their mind that they may approach their trials and tribulations in a different way. I say these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us. Have a good day.